when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, June 18th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 164, and I'm your very sick host, Austin <laughs> Walker. E3 gotcha! E3 got me. Oh, E3. so I didn't sick. Know. Austin is so I didn't sick. know until I started talking today, because yeah. I hadn't spoken. I, like, I got brunch with a friend over the weekend, and that was fine. I didn't sound like this, I don't think. Takes a couple days for those bugs to... I got bugged up. Yeah, you got a little bugged. Those are the voices of Daniel Riendo Hello. <laughs> and Rob Zachney. What's up? Also joining us, Patrick Klefik. I'm not sick, but I've got a kid, so give me time. Yeah, yeah. just give it a day. You'll give it a day that. or two. <laughs> um, today we are going to try to try to hit some of the things from E3 that we didn't find time to talk about last week. Um, there are a bunch of things on this list, so we're going to move kind of quickly, and then, and then we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and finally we're going to get to hear Danielle talk about <laughs> playing Prey Moon Crash, which I'm very excited to see yeah. based on some of the screenshots and streams that I looked at over the weekend. So let's dive right in. Um, I have a list of things in front of us, and some of these we're going to blow right through, and some of these we're going to linger with maybe a little bit longer. I'm going to start with a couple things I can just knock off the list. Uh, I saw Tunic, which I think we talked about on a Periscope, but not in a podcast. Cute Fox. Cute Fox, Zelda Fox. Um, you know, I don't have too much to say. I'm excited to see more of it. Uh, has kind of a Dark Souls stamina combat system. Has sort of Fez style other puzzle weird things happening in the sidelines. Cool. Really cool enemy design. Um, but also a very like soft feel to it. Like a very – it's not Dark Soulsy in the sense that it feels punishing or it feels – like depressing to be in, <laughs> which is a feeling I like about the Dark Souls series. Uh, it's just like bright and colorful and, and very cool. Uh, and then I also played Desert Child, which is Disclosure, a game I backed on Kickstarter, uh, which has like such a fucking cool aesthetic. Uh, it's kind of like you're a futuristic speed bike racer, like <laughs> a pod, almost like a pod racer who shoots stuff and who also delivers pizzas on the side. And it's early, but I, I suspect the game is like, mostly aesthetic um it, it is for instance you walk around the environment and as you explore like the the town you're part of which is bright and colorful and filled with people it cuts to like very interesting weird angles it's not just like a side scroller or, or, like adventure game look it sometimes will be like a close-up on feet great oh. like, like just like his sneakers walking <laughs> or it'll be a close-up of like or a weird angle looking down at the marketplace or whatever um so that's cool but i don't think it's gonna make the uh i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens like i i, I hope it finds a loop that really works for it but right now it's like it's aesthetic and it's music is so strong that i'm curious to see what happens with it um those are the two short things I saw. I also saw – we didn't get to get a chance to talk about this uh, – Tetris Effect, which mm. is the latest game by – what's the name of the studio, Patrick? Uh, oh, I had it and then you asked me to say it and then it went, it went away. Uh, mm, 
Oh, get, um, I feel like it's one of those things if I just sat here long enough instead of looking it up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nope. Didn't happen. All right. No, we'll look it, it up. It, it didn't happen. It's just called Tetris Effect? It's called the Tetris Effect or Tetris Whoa. Effect. Uh, click, click, click. Oh, the sun. I'm sure they'll give me the information I desire. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Polygon. Enhance games. Enhance. No, no, no. Sorry. There it is. Enhance Enhan- games. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. You got it. That's you it. Got it. That's Enhanced. it. There's not I wanted a second to say part. remake. Like I was, too, like I was putting that word over and over my head because I knew it was close. Yeah. Uh, so enhanced. Yeah, sure. There you go. Or wait, is it being developed by Resonair? What? Tetris Resin- Effect. Resonair, the company? No. By Enhanced no. Games. Are you no. sure? Yes, That's I what, am This sure. is what Chelsea wrote. I trust Chelsea. Okay. It's, it is Enhanced Games. That is <laughs> that is the outlet. Okay. I believe you. We saw it. Uh, we saw it with PSVR. Um, we saw some extra modes without the VR on. Uh, it is so. It is Mizuguchi. It is uh, you know a, a a what if the what if the people who made Res made a Tetris game? What if the people who made um, uh, uh, Luminez made mm, a Tetris game? They did make Luminez. They did Luminez remastered. They, it's those people. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> um, and so it is a really cool experience to play a good Tetris game in, in 2018 after years and years of terrible Tetris games coming out. Uh, I guess Puyo Puyo Tetris was actually really good. But but if you're talking about like a pure Tetris game, there really has not been one that has sort of hit the bar that Nintendo hit a number of years ago with Tetris DS. Like there have been Tetris games that you can convince yourself is fine. And yes, there are like alternatives like Puyo Puyo Tetris, but Nintendo's is still sort of like the the gold standard for Tetris games, and you know, too early to say like where Tetris Effect falls in there, but it seems like it's going to be closer to a good Tetris game than like the trash that EA and Ubisoft <laughs> have been putting out for years. <laughs> yeah, so like the whole thing is that you're playing Tetris along. It's almost like an album game. It's a game that's like a lot of music, and each stage has its own song and its own visual kind of background stuff. So that can be kind of like a, a wild, like neon light explosion thing, or it can be kind of like a weird forested area, or it can be like you know thirty or forty songs. It looks like nice. maybe more than that. Um, on like hard mode, you unlock more stuff, and it does this great thing where some of the things you do is while playing Tetris are quantized to the music. So there was a moment in the first level where I realized that I was making piano notes by rotating the pieces. Mm. And so I was just like freestyle, like piano soloing by turning the pieces over and over again in interesting ways. Um, it's, it's just like a very chill experience, <coughs> which doesn't mean it isn't difficult because Tetris is, can get kind of hard. Um, what do you think of that, Patrick? Because you, you also played it. Yeah, I uh I mean I like Tetris, but I've probably played like just like generally speaking like played en- enough, you know, like it's not like a game that I'm sitting around going like ah, I you know what I could use some more Tetris. Um and uh, although as is <laughs> and we'll get into this podcast today, as I mentioned in a, a series of stories uh during our demo, like my mother would probably have the opposite opinion given that she is a <laughs> hardcore Tetris player that got went down some almost dark rabbit holes with that game <laughs> when I was a kid. Well, Bring up the stories on another pod, maybe closer to Tetris Effect's release. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's it, it's interesting to have it contextualized in a different way. I really enjoyed like the aesthetic framing. I have always liked the musical selection of Mizuguchi, even if um, I've been sort of uh, hit or miss on his games. Like I I like Res and and more that I respect Res, but it's not a game that does a lot for me. Um, and Child of Eden like fell 
like I had a similar sort of uh, imp- uh, sort of reaction to. Um, but this fits within a framework that is a little more of what I'm into because like I, I do like Tetris and I and I like the aesthetic stuff that Mizuguchi brings uh, to his games. And so having like I found that to be like a very pleasant, enjoyable way to play Tetris. Like, and um, uh, I'm curious to play it. Like, I don't know if the VR did a whole lot for me like I, I, yeah. not, in a, not in a positive or negative way it was more just uh like i would say probably the most uh what the vr does more than anything it sort of locks you into the world right so it's like in the same way that horror is benefited from vr because you can't sort of like see the world around you uh tetris also kind of like gets a, a similar benefit because it's going for sort of a an all-encompassing aesthetic experience uh but you know, would it be would I would I rather enjoy it on like my big projector with like huge speakers everywhere? Like that might actually be like a more enjoyable way. I don't I don't know. Um, but it, it's not one that I think if you don't have a VR headset, you're gonna go ah, you're not getting the full uh, Tetris Effect experience. Like I I think it's enjoyable and interesting, but I don't know that it's sort of like make or break on the thing that they're building. Right, right. I will be happy to play that game in a chair without a headset on. That said, it, it isn't like uh, stand up in your room, room scale VR experience. No. So it would be fine to play sitting. Yeah. Also, like I don't know. Uh, hearing I'm excited the to play. Title Tetris Effect, though, and hearing about like Patrick's mom's dark road she traveled <laughs> yeah. with Tetris. Like I'm picturing like the TV movie version <laughs> of this, right? Where it's like Joyce, you're always waiting for that one like long narrow piece. And we've got a long, <laughs> narrow son who needs you right now. Oh, there's a, there's a, there is a lifetime version of my mom's obsession with Tetris. So absolutely, like there is a, the, like this old you know video game thing doesn't work out. I'll just go finally pitch that movie to Lifetime. Finally, finally the the movie about a, a mother neglecting her children because of Tetris. God. Oh, God. Um. So beyond that, the the only other thing that I saw that we didn't talk about was Hitman Two. Which to closure, I have a close friend who is working on that team as a contract writer. Um, so uh, deeply compromised to some degree, uh, but also I really enjoyed that demo. That demo took place in my in a, uh, at a racetrack in Miami, uh, and it was my mission to kill one of the racers on the track. Um, in the full mission, you'll also have to kill another person, and in the full mission, there will be a loop and a timer so that like the race is twenty five minutes or something. It will be over after that, and the person in the car will then like get out and like start doing post race stuff. Um, and there will be this kind of countdown of like, hey, do you want to infiltrate her crew and like plant a bomb, you know, on her inner wheel or fuck with the gas mixture or whatever? Like, there are all sorts of ways to, to, to kill that target just through that stuff. There's also a whole other thing where I ended up planting the bomb and also climbing to the rooftop after stealing a sniper rifle. So I ended up trying to shoot her. Hitting her so that she would flip and then pulling the detonator on the explosion or on the the bomb I planted for just maximum yeah. Hitman bullshit. Um, but the most fun I had in that in that game was the same as the most fun I have in all Hitman games, or especially in the last Hitman, which is like finding the mascot costume so I could sneak into to the backstage area, and then finding a waiter outfit to sneak into the VIP area. Classic Hitman stuff. Um, the things that are there's some like. 
newish stuff around um, the way that it presents some of the items to you without blocking the screen so that you know what's going on. Um, I'm trying to think of the, I, I was in that demo, so I wasn't really uh, taking notes on mechanics. But I will say, especially coming off of the Cyberpunk demo, where we talked about how wild it was, how busy that was with people. The Hitman 2 demo had a very similar effect, a, a much more enclosed space, the kind of like festival environment of uh of like a a luxury race um where like you know there's like cars parked and spinning in place to for the attendees to look at and kind of a party atmosphere it reminded me a lot of the hitman blood money um new orleans level if anybody mm. remembers seeing the mardi gras level from i think that was blood money um sort of yeah i vaguely remember it's just like it, at watching, the time it was a yeah, 360 yeah. game that felt like Oh my God, there's so many people here. If you go back to it now, it's not as convincing, but this felt that way. It was just like, oh wow, there are, and, and you know, the, the devs told me like a thousand NPCs in that, in that one little level, basically. Um, and you know, that's just a, about an effect. It's about like, oh wow, I'm moving through all these people. Things will go wild if a bomb goes off or if someone, if I do get into a gunfight, there's a sense of chaos. Um, it looks really great. It played really well. I'm excited to play more Hitman. Like it's Hitman. I love Hitman. The, it's weird that they're calling it Hitman 2. It's, I, it's <laughs> weird that we're now back to this point of like reboots just getting sequel titles. Yeah, it's um, pretty weird. But I really enjoyed it and I'm excited to see more of it. Uh, and that's everything else that I saw. Who else Who else has stuff that they saw that we didn't talk about last week? I have the quickest thing ever. What do you have? Literally the quickest thing. You gotta go fast. Because <laughs> you gotta go fast. I, I played Team Sonic Racing. Awesome. It was really fun. What did you, which which team did you play? I played as all three. What? Did, oh, see, so we only had two when I played. What, did, oh, okay. what were the teams? Available? Explain what this game is. All right. Uh, so it is a racing game in the sort of Mario Kart uh, and uh, what was it? It wasn't Team Sonic Racing. It was, it was Sonic, Sonic and, and All Stars racing. racing, and then Sonic and All Stars Racing transformed or something. Transform. There you, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which were great. Those, yeah, those games I think are those awesome. Games are fantastic. Genuinely. Really, really fun. Uh, you know, sort of like really good mechanics and a lot of fun. Very colorful sort of racing games. So in this one, you are on a team. You're you're competing against. Uh, you have two teammates. Whoever you choose, if you're Sonic or Rouge the Bat or Knuckles or whoever. There's sort of three classes of character, very Mario Kart style. This right. sort of uh, all around kind of racer which is sonic and i think knuckles or i forget whatever sonic and shadow, shadow. that's who it is yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. sorry i gotta get all my sonic characters Please. right but the like heavy character who goes the fastest once they but accelerate the slowest and the sort of tricky racers who are best at doing tricks and pulling off really good right. drifts and stuff like, like that tails or i think that's yeah rouge. tails and rouge yes and then the heavy ones are knuckles and the robot Robot E one oh one E one oh one something That's economics one oh one economics one exactly. yeah, home economics. Uh just really fun. Uh, what's the third team? Because I only saw two teams. Oh, that's who was playable at this demo. I'm sure there was like oh, it was all I like you were saying that there was a third team available. Oh no no, you're no, always gotcha. playing against I think three other teams or two gotcha. other teams. Yeah, I forget yeah. exactly, but uh, it's not just how well you do, but also your teammates, how well they do. So you're racing against. Obviously, in this demo, it was all AI, so it was me and two AI mm -hmm. racers, uh, and you're always uh, one of each class is always racing. So right. you got your light, your you can't be tricky, three Sonics yeah, out there, not three Sonics. Sonic no, you got to share. 
right. got to get your rouge the bat and your knuckles out there too. Right. Uh, it's really, really fun. It plays well and there's a mechanic for sort of sharing your items. So if yeah. you see that somebody's you know lagging behind, you can give them your item. Uh, because if you thing. win the race and your two partners are in like last and second to you last place, win. you might not win yeah. the race. Like even though you came in first place, it's about the team's overall point score stuff. Exactly. Likewise, if you come in fifth – It's the way cross country works actually. Right. Totally. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. I think it's a neat – Thing to try, it's a little twist. At the very least, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did you like the handling and, and all it. that? Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. I won all the races except for one. Ooh. There was one I didn't win with knuckles. I'm sorry, knuckles. Damn, you know, I'm not. I'm not a heavy racer. It's just not me. You're light not or my tricky. style. I'm a. I'm tricky or I'm right. um, all arounder. Yeah. yeah, I gotta go fast. Um, but yeah, that game felt really good when I played it a couple yeah. weeks ago. It it has like. Sega, for whatever reason, their racing games, I like drifting in those so much more than other arcade racers. It feels um, like a little heavier, weirdly, yeah. in the drift It's like itself. I'm fucking in this drift. Like, in the drift. You like slam Deliberate. down. You're fucking in it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I love those. I love the feel of those games. So that's this year? I think, think so, yeah. Right? Um, I believe so. I'm sure someone knows. I had this. I had their little website up somewhere. Somewhere. Oh, no. I changed it to find Team Enhance. I'm sorry. December. Schedule for December. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Cool. That was it. That was good. Awesome. Uh, Rob, Patrick, do y'all have anything else that we have not talked about that you saw last week? Uh, it's, uh, I briefly mentioned uh, Killer Queen Black, which is a game uh, that's uh, coming first to Switch. Uh, it was part of the Nintendo Direct. It's an arcade game uh, that has been floating around uh, just like sort of a handful of different locations in the United States. Uh, it's an expensive cabinet because it requires – it's like custom made. Um, it's uh, – you know, requires – I think it's uh, controls for eight players. Uh, like the, it's hard to describe what that game is. It is easier to watch a video uh, and really to play it. Um, but basically like you play – uh, sort of a bunch of different uh, uh, worker bees. There's a queen. Um, you can win. It's sort of in a, a 2D pixel uh, look. Um, it's just a kind of looks in some ways like a fighting game stage um, uh, in which uh, it's just flat. You can't like go anywhere. It's just the screen in front of you is what you're working with. Um, and you can win in a couple of different ways. Like you can uh, kill the queen three times. You can collect enough uh uh, I don't know what they call the resource, but there's a resource you can collect X number of times and bring it back to your hive. Um, and then there's a snail at the bottom of the screen that moves extremely slow. And if you can ride that snail all the way to the other side, it's an automatic <laughs> win. It's basically like a fun fake out way to kind of spit in the face of your opponents because you often you don't usually win that way. So that people tend to not look at people using the snail. So it's like a fun way to uh, to, to kind of win um, in an unorthodox way. Uh, but they, uh, when they announced that game, or when they released it in the arcades, part of the reason it was an arcade-only release was because uh, they wanted to emphasize sort of like local play. You know, that was uh, they wanted people in a room together. They wanted people yelling at each other. And, and it truly is the best way to experience that game as someone that has played the arcade version a bunch of times. Like, it really does benefit from the energy that you just like intangibly and tangibly sort of get in a room with other people who are enjoying a competitive uh, experience. That said, I think it will be still be perfectly fine and fun. And I'm glad that more people get a chance to play uh, this game. And so, yeah, I, I, my understanding is it's coming to switch first and then, you know, PC and other places uh, later. Um, and so it is a really interesting version of that game. They've added a bunch of new mechanics and wrinkles. Uh, right. There are weapons and uh, sort of other sort of types of uh, bees that you can trans transform into that have different uh, sort of specific attributes. Uh, and yeah, so it was something to keep an eye out on. It sounds like 
uh, we may actually get a chance to kind of show people what that game is uh, sometime in the near future. So uh, if that sounds, if my description of it is not specific enough, uh, you, you will get a chance hopefully to kind of show you what that game is is all about. Um, that game, like uh, for people who maybe haven't seen it and you're listening to a podcast in a car or on a subway and you're underground and you don't know what the fuck we're talking <laughs> about, it almost looks like, I, I kind of realized, I'm like, I'm just staring at the screen, like how do I even describe this? It's almost like a very big joust stage huh. and each yeah. player is... It's like hovering around and, you know, some of them can pick things up and move really quick or jump really quick and other ones have like wings and swords and you – like it's a it's a big multi- couch multiplayer style like fight uh, around these resources. It's really neat. It's a, it is a really cool game and I'm excited that people will finally be able to play it, you know? Yeah, um, I can't. I don't know when they said when the release date is for that, but I I, I believe it's sometime uh, this year. Um, cool. Game I didn't get a chance to mention uh, that definitely should have fit in last week. But we just had so much to talk about was Spider Man. Oh right! Uh, wow, I, did yeah, we not even to, talk about Spider Man? No, Jesus. no, it just kind of slipped through the cracks because at some point you have to turn off the microphones and move on with your life. You do. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I you know I full disclosure, the creative director of the game, Brian Inahar, is someone that I have a long history work. He. Uh, history with he came from games media um, and has been an insomniac for uh, a number of years now and this is his first like this is his baby um, so you know I've, I have some uh, uh, some crossover there but uh, it's uh, I, this is the first chance I uh, had to to play it and it's the one thing that I think people have wanted from a goddamn spider game spider-man game since spider-man 2 is just nail like floating around, like just swinging around. Just like let this, me like sit, swing around New York and make it feel good, please. Right, <laughs> that's and all. that's that's and that's not an easy task, right? That's not an, an easy thing to get right. Like there is, there's so much nuance in getting movement and fluidity right, and the, the sort of the way that Spider-Man works as a character is something very specific. And there's a reason that a lot of games don't put you in a big, wide open space. They try to constrain you to combat and you know, sort of uh, uh, sort of swinging abilities that are within combat or small spaces. Um, and you know, this game goes for it in that way. It wants to uh, let you have that like sort of quintessential Spider-Man experience. And I basically barely interacted with the like the way the demo was structured was like you have thirty minutes to kind of go around the space and you can explore side activities. You can go do combat. You can advance the story. And I partially because I was having a conversation the entire time that I was playing um, and wasn't able to fully grasp the combat other than just kind of like plucking away at the buttons and watching cool stuff occasionally happen. I mostly focused on the thing that means the most to me, which is like experiencing the swinging. And so I spent most of my time like running up buildings, jumping off buildings, uh, swinging between buildings. And like, I can confidently say that that stuff feels extremely good. It is so satisfying. The, um, not, not only the, um, uh, the way the swing feels, but the way they let you connect moves to other moves so that you can, uh, in the way that we were talking, uh, Danielle about like Ori in the blind forest, like one of the advantage, one of the things that is very specific and interesting about that game is it's use of momentum where they are always giving you tools to connect one thing to another. So you don't have to touch the ground. You can, yeah. uh, a lot of that is based on, uh, the skill of the player and using a combination of tools. that is like both observation and, uh, understanding how those tools fit together. Um, like there's this really neat move where, uh, you can identify sort of like points of interaction in the environment. And it's not just about like swinging, you know, left uh, left arm, right arm. It's like identifying those points in the environment uh, and holding X so you can kind of like uh, throw yourself off of it. Um, and that stuff connects to running up walls. And it's just a real joy to control. And it's if they do, if they've gotten that part right, um, it gives me some measure of confidence that the other parts will come together, even if sort of the set piece stuff they have shown last year and this year, I think is not necessarily what 
a lot of people were looking for. I mean, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to see that stuff in a Spider-Man game. But I think there's a reason a lot of people responded to Sony's press conference as, oh, this like demo you're showing afterwards, right. which is actually how the game plays, uh, is is the more interesting bit. And that's that's the bits I spent time with, and that's the bits that I responded really positively to. So I'm I'm really looking forward to playing more of that game in September, which is really not that far off. Uh, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's soon. I definitely think that like that city looked really good. Like the the one of the things that's interesting is there isn't there is a night or there's not a night day cycle, but there is a time like situation where the, you, it goes between like sunrise and sunset and never becomes night in that city or at least not in the open world i'm sure there will be night we we saw in the ps or in the sony stage demo or whatever that was a nighttime moment so there will be night in that game but it, it just it captures the sunrise and the sunset like that golden hour so so well in new york um so i'm very excited to actually see that thing yeah. myself and actually play it uh anything else patrick or said it Think so. I saw Serious Sam Four. Didn't do anything to me. The pitch that the, for that game is like giant open spaces. They picked up on the joke about uh, uh, Fallout seventy six having four you know, x the size of Fallout four. I think Good. their pitch was something like each individual level is going to be twenty times the size of Skyrim. Is <laughs> is that what they were realistic realistically promising? Um, and that the, Wait, there will realistically be realistically promising. Oh yeah, yeah. They're what? using procedural generation okay. to like build the levels. That's been a, like a huge part of the tech they've been working on for the last couple of years. The game has vehicles. Like there's ways that you can like go through spaces extremely quickly. Mm. Um, and also they need the, the enormous spaces because like they were the end of the demo is where you really like most of the demo is just fighting a handful of enemies, and then the the, the demo ends with. Uh, coming across uh, not hundreds, not thousands, but tens of thousands of enemies running <laughs> at you. And so I guess that's the big sort of like, ah, what is Serious Sam 4 about? It's about tens or hundreds of thousands of enemies coming at you at once, which sounds like it could be sort of an interesting gameplay wrinkle because um, that is uh, the – that's sort of like the – that's what Serious Sam's pitched for, since the beginning was like, ah, we're going to throw a ton of enemies on screen at right. once. Um, but it was – they didn't get to that part of the demo until the very end, so it's hard to tell, like, sort of how will that impact your ability to actually play the game. So it could be interesting, but it was mostly a visually flat, uh, Duke Nukem-sounding so- uh, uh, shooter game, and Duke Nukem in, in the bad way-sounding right. uh, uh, shooter game where, like, the most interesting part was something they really weren't showing a whole uh, lot of yet. Um, I think the other ones I played, I, I, I feel like where like I've made, did I talk about Mega Man 11 on the Periscope? I don't know. It Mega Man 11 looks really good. I'll just say that <laughs> I'm really excited to play Mega Man 11. Resident Evil 2 looks really good. Yeah, I'm curious to see more of sure. the changes uh, to that. Uh, I talked to Sam Lake about Control, and that some version of that interview will either go on a podcast feed or uh, I'll write up at some point. He's an interesting guy. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's cool. it. I think that's. I think that's it. All right, that brings us to you, Rob Zachney. What did you leave on the show? L- for? L.A. Rob. L.A. Rob reporting from not L.A. <laughs> uh, I mean, I left it all on the floor. Really, like <laughs> I was, I was carried out uh, of E3, basically uh, born, born aloft by the soldiers. I, I carried him uh, out. Oh. Hey, you barely, you barely made your flight. That, oh, wait, that really? is 100% true. Uh, Dude, even early in the morning, LAX was totally hosed. Oh. Like, we got in that queue to, like, you know, that long road leading the terminal. It's that giant U. Yup. Uh, we must have been in that for 20 minutes. And at, at a certain point, like, basically at the bend, I was like, just let me out here. I need to make my flight. 
and bolted through the airport. And, uh, you know, it's always good to just race onto your flight just, like, covered in sweat and, like, short of breath. And, like, sit down next to your seatmate and be like, sup? These clothes haven't been washed. I'm coming back to the conference. Time, time to do this for six hours. Yeah. Or, or yeah. ten if you were us. Yeah, if you were us. Uh, you just you – just, you just missed me so much. I you missed just you. Want, you. You wanted to give me and my wife the vague threat that maybe I would have like five people coming to my house. Oh, my we God. Were both and a nice doggy so for that Pixel to so be good. friends with. That would have been so good. You know? Yeah. My dog hates other dogs. Oh, good. So it would have been a <laughs> real been family perfect. moment. Yeah. We uh, we actually had – we also had like a bad trip to the – well, bad is true. We left like – a lot of time. We left a lot. So we of were time. okay, but it took forever. And our driver, our Lyft driver, was very nice, but also was extremely start had a startup <laughs> where she made copper labels, co- copper antibacterial labels to put on things, like your phone, because copper kills all germs. I mean, she wasn't. Was. I was sitting there, and I was like, "You're not completely wrong. They do put silver in certain types yes. of clothing to make it antimicrobial." Yes, but but there, yes, but it, it was, was one of those. It was a lot it was in like, the morning when was. we're just driving our to the plane. Day. Our last day, we're all dead inside and outside. I just wanted to just shut down so bad, <laughs> and she just wanted to fucking talk to me about her yeah. her copper. Yeah. And then she was, was like, fuck Trump a lot. And that was she was, was she was actually like a really awesome, like middle aged, like she's like a middle aged white lady who like is like, yeah, I'm from the East Coast. Rob, she was from Massachusetts. Yes. She's from the North Shore. She had the accent. And like she just reminded me a lot of my mom. I the bet. like middle aged white lady who's like, fuck you, Trump. Yeah. Fuck 100%. you. Like it was very endearing in a way. But it was very good. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Though. No, that's that's the story we were telling. Um, <laughs> anyway, besides our trips to the airport, what what else did you see, Rob? Uh, so I was on the Warhammer beat. Oh yeah, love um, it. Yeah, and so I like my first appointment of E three. I just stumbled into Warhammer Chaos Bane. Oh, you guys that's ever it. played Diablo? Yeah, yeah. No, what's that? Yes, tell me what that is. <laughs> uh, so it's a uh, what they call an ARPG. Um, it's, it's an action RPG where like, where a lot of RPGs are about like story and like plot development, uh, action RPGs are about sort of hacking and gotcha. I dare say slashing your way through dungeons. I see. Uh, and this is that, but in the Warhammer fantasy world, um, and hey, I have a feels... question real quick. Why can I yeah. not find anything about this video <laughs> game on the internet? Is this real? Oh no. Is this happened again? Oh no. I see it. Oh, chaos Bane is one word. I see. Was it? Wait, is one word? It's one word. That's not oh, how it was styled no. on the booth. I'm pretty sure. It was. It's anyway. not. It's 100. I'm looking at the stylized. <laughs> you're 100% right. It is stylized with a big old space in the middle. But tell me about Weird. It's, it's one of these. It's just one of these. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I played it. It's, you know, if you want this but Warhammer, your ships come in. Like, there it is. It seems fine. Um, and to be clear, it, this it, is fantasy. Warhammer fantasy, not Warhammer... Right. And the so, and the old Warhammer fantasy, not the current Warhammer fantasy? That I do not have enough of a sense of how that universe has evolved. Okay. Like, I think there's three different directions they've gone with it now, it, like in its lifespan. Uh, this is just, you know, the same Warhammer fantasy that you'll see like in Vermintide too. Gotcha. Instance. That's how it feels. Yes. Um, but, you know, by by those lights, it still feels good. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was enjoyable to play. When I do play these games, I bounce off a lot of them. 
This one <laughs> I probably would have played more of. Uh, okay. It's it seems like it'll be it'd be a really fun co op game in particular. Brought back a lot of those good Diablo two memories. Um, other game I played that was a little more interesting. Um, and we're going to skip over uh, Space Hulk because I just couldn't find time for that appointment. And the interface was a lot of buttons uh, <laughs> and a lot of icons in a way that I found very daunting and yet familiar. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, it's day three of E3. I just I just can't parse this right now. Uh, so Necromunda Underhive Wars. Wow, wow, that's an interesting wow, one. One more time. Necromunda Underhive yeah. Wars. <laughs> sure. That's not, that's not real. That game's not real. You're, you made this one up. Necromunda. No. Necromunda. Right, Munda. Like, Munda. Yeah, like... World, I just like opposite Rhode Island-ed Island yeah. it. Yeah. Ah, I see. Under I it. Like, an under, wait a second, that's under twice. So, well, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, there's Hive Worlds in Warhammer 40k. Right. And Which is sci-fi obvious, Warhammer. Yeah. And here there's, like... Gangs of local toughs and youths engaging in street battles in the underhive with chain swords and like cobbled together flamers and shit. Okay. It's very, I think it's by the Mordheim team. It looks considerably more polished than Mordheim, which from what I've heard about Mordheim is definitely a good thing. I don't know if Mordheim worked like this, so somebody can set me straight if I'm wrong on this. But yeah, this, this group really of people will definitely be able to tell you about Mordheim. Uh, well, I more mean the the listeners. Oh, okay. Uh, somebody out there. Oh, I actually I is, thought about it for twelve seconds, and now I know exactly what Mordheim is. Fuck, fuck me. Why am I like this? You anyway, know what Mordheim is. Go You're ahead. very sick. You're very sick. It You're is very tired. It's true. Go ahead. <laughs> so the the weird thing about this one is, uh, it's it's actually got a really cool layout. Like your big strategic map is the sprawling like. 3D holo projection of this multi-level battlefield. Huh. Uh, so it feels like you're fighting inside old abandoned factories. Uh, it's all very like, uh, you know, Blade Runner 2049, like out in the sprawl type shit uh, that you're that you're playing in. Um, and they're really extensive levels. There's a ton of like vertical paths between uh, layers of the levels. But the really interesting thing is. You sort of enter your squads of it's all like five on five battles or seven on seven or three v three, but you send your squads on the battlefield one at a time, and you control your characters in kind of this Valkyria Chronicles over the shoulder camera yes, perspective. That is how Mordheim worked, yeah. But it is a turn based game, and if you're playing against somebody, they're doing the same thing simultaneously. Oh, uh, while, interesting. While you're playing, and where the turn based thing comes in is if your two active characters encounter each other you enter phased battle, at which point both of you go through a very like thinly sliced up uh, step-by-step battle as your characters sort of interact with each other at close range and like burn through their action points. Huh. Otherwise, you both play simultaneously, you both take your turns, and then once the last person has made their move, you go to the next, you go to the next round, you control a new character. Um, okay. And it, it seemed pretty nifty. Uh, it it looked good. It seemed like a really cool, like, what if Valkyria Chronicles was like a competitive tactics game. Right. That's an interesting pitch. I'm into it. Yeah. And the multiplayer, uh, you can do like one-off battles, but you can also sort of turn it into almost a um, like Blood Bowl-like team system where you'll develop your squad from mission to mission to mission. But if they totally get like destroyed in one multiplayer match... Characters are actually dead. Loot is actually lost. 
Huh. That's interesting. So a little more XCOM in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that that sounded that was surprisingly cool. Um, I suspect that like that's one of the, that's definitely going to be like a cult game for those who really get into it. But uh, it seemed it seemed pretty cool. Uh, a game that I did not find so cool. <laughs> I, looked at the, I looked at the new Tropico. Oh, and there's Tropico number six. They're up to six now. Heimamont okay. has departed the series. Uh, so Heimamont just made Surviving Mars. Right. Uh, but they made all the previous Tropico games. Uh, now the license has stayed with Calypso. It's a new developer. Um, and if you're not familiar with the Tropico series, it's what if it's a city builder, but in a like 60s, 70s, uh, like Banana Republic in the Caribbean or Latin America. Um, with with all of the uh, all racist the caricatures yes. and tropes oh to match. Yeah, it's especially like it's a city in, builder, but everything is dysfunctional and backwards. But also, like in Tropical Five, Four, or Five, straight up leaned into weird caricature for for like NPCs and talking heads who would like give you tips and stuff like that. It's gotten weird over the like. It's always been a very particular pitch that has had like. It's always been a very fun city builder that has had some tonal stuff that's been like, ee. But the I want to say Tropico 5 really put me off with that stuff. Um, anyway, tell me what the new team's take on it is. Uh, it's the same take. Oh, that's the, okay. I mean, it's <laughs> like all their new features are, you know, now it's not just one island, but it's like archipelagos. We've got more uh, topographical variety, right? There's actual mountains and tunnels going through them and like, you know, these huge multi-level maps, uh, which they looked great. It looked like a cool game. Uh, the, you know, all the individual citizens are now like individually modeled so they don't just like tropical the previous tropical games used very loose modeling of like citizen activities and pathing uh this time it's going in a more sim direction so planning matters a little more but here's here's the thing um this shit just isn't as funny as if it ever was it sure isn't now one of the things they showcase during this uh you know preview is uh and here you have the prison uh, and if you want to, uh, you can t- click this button, and that's convict labor. Oh, and man. and <sighs> the problem is there's 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 a lot of things wrong with it. Uh, one is that it's presented in this kind of almost um, dungeon keeper esque, like it's good to be bad uh, aspect. Where, you know, haven't you always, you know what I mean? Dungeon Keeper is always like, it's fun to like be bad and like fuck up the heroes and like kill the hobbits, right. which is a different thing <laughs> than it's it fun, fun to, to kill be the hobbits. running right. the carceral state right. yes. and creating slave labor in modern society. Less yeah. fun, let's say. Yeah. And the other thing is that, again, the Tropico series always worked in part by othering this idea of other places and cultures, right? This idea of the third world as being this sort of humorously dysfunctional and wacky place uh, where no matter, you know, no matter, no matter what people try to do, it always ends up coming out a little bit twisted and wonky. Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is the ways that the Tropico societies are like abusive and exploitative are pretty indistinguishable from the shit you're reading about now daily in the news around the world. And so it seems particularly like tone deaf and self-serving because it's like 
projecting a lot of the shit happening in like wealthy industrialized societies uh, already as somehow a marker of you know haha it's <sighs> it's the caribbean it's latin america it's dictatorial and funny mm-hmm. um and that just that doesn't fucking play anymore uh and it seems really incredibly tone deaf uh and i did not detect a whole lot of like self-awareness or critique coming from within the game well, right? and so like, it's not like it's the yeah. sixth one like yeah you can i can i'm willing hmm you do a couple of these you know and then and then you you did the thing like you <laughs> did the bit and if it was going to be critical within those first few bits you had the opportunity to offer that criticism and and to like you know, to come at this from whether it's going to be a weird and wacky angle, which might not land, or a very serious angle, which also might not land. Like you had that opportunity. It's just frustrating to be like another one of these. Like we're re- like, ugh. It's such a limited. It's so limited in scope in terms of its focus. It doesn't make a case for itself. Yeah, it just it feels like a series that really just make your tropical theme tourist paradise island city builder with a cool salsa soundtrack and just be done with it (laughs) because like this entire motif is no longer working for you and is increasingly like there's like it's it's not satirizing anything distant in the past it's just you know we live here now we we are all tropicans now (laughs) yeah all right anything else um it occurs to me, I don't think we actually did talk about Greedfall. I think you and I talked about it in the concourse, Austin. I do not think we actually talked about it on the pod. Okay. Do you want to hit that quick then? Because we're running, we're yeah, already sure. running long on this on this one. Uh, you know, then we should probably leave it. Because uh, there's actually more to dig into than we can really touch on. Uh, I mostly want to dig into that when it's out so that we can see if they stick to landing on some of the yeah. stuff that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, do you want to give the sh- the short yeah. version of like I know you have, the two you, have, you, have, you, have pro- you have problems with the politics of this game, so explain to people at least what to be like, what they should be looking for as the, the you know if there's marketing about this game in the next you know the months to come. Yeah, so the setup is uh, it's it's an RPG set in a uh, 17th century inspired world. It's got kind of a nifty setup in that you are explicitly uh, like colonists coming to what they're like literally calling the new world escaping what is becoming a charnel house in the old world like you are being afflicted by a almost extinction level plague that is wiping out your civilization and in the new world people are immune to it and so it's all very like um tricorn hats and gold braid and musketeers and shit like that uh mixed with a bit of fantasy uh quite a bit of fantasy actually with magic systems and everything uh but you're part of this group that is like desperately trying to solve the problems of the old world by just uh, by all, by all the looks of it, just putting the new world uh, to the torch and hmm. just like trying to loot it for answers and solutions uh, along the way to getting rich as well, um, which could be a compelling setup. Again, my major issue with the politics of it is that it seems to be playing really fast and loose with the imagery and narratives of uh, colonial invasion and violence. Uh, And it doesn't seem to have had much or any input or like thought put into like the indigenous perspective on stories like this. 
so that's that's my main reservation. Like stylistically, it should be up my alley. Like again, gold braid, lots of buttons. Like that's my shit. Like I'll you know I'm there. Uh, but it just seems a bit uh, ham-handed in how it's approaching its themes. Right. Totally. I'm super curious. I think that there was like an audience that really responded well to some of the character design and the kind of RPG stuff that they don't feel like they're getting elsewhere right now. And so very curious to see how that one sticks to the landing. Um, anything else? I know we both saw Call of Cthulhu, which I don't know if we talked about, did we? I think we did. I'll it check was, like, thing. briefly mentioned. Yeah, it's not listed in our disgust thing. Greedfall yeah. was, uh, apparently. but so, Some of the things that were, like, mentioned, I didn't write down because yeah, okay, it was like, gotcha. okay, this is, like, 30 seconds. The big but, thing there is yeah. it's a detective game in which you're, like, going into reconstitution mode. So there, there was one that this. we did talk we about, about for sure, and it, it was talking to the fish people, and there was a lady whose mouth city. was sewn. That's Sinking City. Okay, that's Sinking City. This okay. is Call of Cthulhu. It's a different Cthulhu detective game. Different Cthulhu detective it. game. One that doesn't feel as system. Oh, I can sell some system stuff. You're a detective. You have skills. You uh, use those skills to try to solve some mysteries. Um, and that skill system seems weird because, like, it's a situation where like you'll have a search skill, and you'll go into a room, and it will roll. It will privately, quietly roll your search skill, and then you will be able to find clues in that room based on like the room will populate. Based on your search skill, that's interesting. Uh, with stuff, and you might just not get the right information. What was yeah. your takeaway from that presentation, Rob? Uh, yeah, I am super curious about how this comes out, but I could see it being either really cool or deeply frustrating on Satisfactory <laughs> because of that exact thing. This idea of oh, the clues might just not be there uh, <laughs> if you don't have the die roll go your way. Uh, which also leads you you to some like super detective stereotypes, right? Like your character spots one thing and you like click on it, and then the detective spins an entire narrative out of one deeply ambiguous clue. Um, but at the same time, like it was pretty creepy, and I do love reconstructing crime scenes, <laughs> so I'm probably still in for this. Yeah, I am curious. So one thing that I'll say is they talked about how. They there is no way to avoid the insanity that comes with with confronting the mythos, the the the, the dark truths of the of the cosmos. Lovecraftian horror. Uh, and I actually <laughs> like the notion. Uh, if you're going to do this, I like the notion of taking it away from the eternal darkness model. Then we all talk about the eternal darkness thing. Of like you're in, you you get more and more insane, and then it looks like your TV flickered off, or like everyone's your controller being, disconnected. Yes, yeah. Right. And that stuff was like novel, and I think it was interesting at the time. It was a fun way to try to walk Chicago. in that space. Yeah. Um, but given the way of like playing with sanity and with mental health and like I think that there's perfectly a, a way to tell stories about the kind of Lovecraftian cosmic horror that does break people's minds in that way. The, the confrontation of truth in such a way that it hurts you is a perfectly decent allegory for stuff um, and, and a fairly powerful one when executed well. I like that they're like, no, like we're saving those bits 
we're going to tell you when that happens. This is not going to be like you saw a thing and that means your your insanity meter goes up one. It's at points in the story, this character is going to have to confront things and then we'll, we'll have to deal with the consequences. And I think there's something very strong about that approach that we haven't seen that often in these stories. Um, so I want to, I'm curious. We'll see how it goes. The, Mystery stuff is a little weird. I think we maybe talked about that, that like you could look around the room and be like, oh, there was a boy here because I saw some uh, army men and now I can imagine him in this room. It's like very much that style. Yeah, of like, a sad little detail. I did like that though. Like he built himself a little fort. He did build like, himself – yeah. His life would like – because he was kind of frightened of like what was going on with his family. I'm just saying that's like, not – Those sorts of details are good. Sherlock Holmes would not – he'd be like, that's not deductive at all. You're you're inducing no. a lot <laughs> here. You're uh, in, inferring a lot here. What if it was a girl? Ex- who knows? Exactly. Um, that's all I have on my list. Oh, oh, uh, you saw something called Rise of Industry? Yeah, no, it's a supply chain and factory manager game. Like, it's Factorio, but in the 1920s in a lot of okay. ways. I mean, like, it, seems, it seemed fun. It seemed cute. Like, I'm probably going to – I'd be more down to play that than Tropico. Oh, that game is uh, out in early right access, now. in fact. So Yeah, and it's pretty far along okay. in early access. So, cool. like, mostly I got shown their roadmap from here, which is – uh, you know, a lot of end game polishing stuff and feature expansion, but the core stuff is very much like get inputs, create new output, use output to power other factories and shit like that. Sounds like a like I'm, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, BB Tactics Gamer is a little bit curious you're gonna about this sort city of stuff. Building, you're gonna move into might. city building. You should, you should, we should send you some Anno games. Really I think good. I might get into that. All right, let's take a quick break and then come back and talk about games that are not at we're not at E3. On the moon. Well, one of them was it, yeah, on the moon. Pray <laughs> pray moon crash was. So let's take a quick break and come back. I want to check in with Danielle and see how it is that we even have her back from the moon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, we are back. Danielle, tell me about the moon. Tell me about Prey Moon Crash, the DLC that was announced and released while we were in LA. You're smiling from ear to ear. Hi, Austin. Uh, I'm oh. calling you from the moon. This is, hey, Danielle, how's it going on the moon? It's awesome. Okay, all right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, okay. Is that, is that oxygen? Are you slurping something? That was oxygen, and I was are we, slurping, are we slurping tang. Ramen I thought on it the was moon? tang. I thought it was like. Also, also, aren't you dying a lot on the moon? You know, that's a consequence of uh, being on the moon while it's crashing. <laughs> you know, sometimes you die a lot, and it's all right. You okay. know, I saw Hereditary this weekend. I understand how it is. Lots of death. <laughs> uh, but no, so Moon Crash was announced like a week ago. Okay. I think uh, it was a week ago. It was Bethesda. It was Bethesda event. Right? Yeah. Was that yeah. Monday? Yeah, sure. That was Monday. It was all a lot. Sunday. So I no. think that, um, you know, other folks played it right away. We were obviously at E3. I was like twiddling my fingers the whole time. <laughs> like, I want to play Prey. I was like, I'm looking at all these nice games and they're very nice, but I want to play Prey. <laughs> and we talked about how it was sort of presented as almost like a roguelite 
sort of experience where you go in, you die a lot, and the simulation changes each time. That's mm-hmm. sort of what they said. Okay, it takes place on the moon. The simulation changes each time. They Endlessly didn't really go into that. Or Endlessly like that, replayable. Endlessly replayable. Right? Infinite toy box. Right. But what it is, I mean, that's not not true. But what it is is essentially a really huge story level, like a level from the mm-hmm. game that happens to have some of these elements, uh, but that sort of infinitely replayable portion of it refers to the fact that you are going to be five different characters. You unlock them as you go. If you complete one character's mission, then you can start unlocking the other characters. Okay. So what I'm, do you mean by mission? And also tell me about what the space is Yeah, like. of course. Uh, here, let me just walk through. I, I've played two hours of this thus okay. far. Uh, I was on my ambulance last night, so I didn't play more. But I played a bunch of it this weekend. Uh, and you start out, and you are a hacker. You're in space. You're looking at the moon. You're not on the moon. You're a hacker who is in this horrible contract. Uh, speaking about the, the sort of gay economy, they go hard into that uh, in, in this. Uh, you're a hacker who's basically an indentured servant uh, who is given this simulation. Obviously, a lot of prey has to do with simulation and things that happen in your brain and chips and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and your job is to sort of figure out what happened on the moon based on all this data because apparently you're so good at sifting through data, right, sure. whatever. It's like a nice little narrative conceit. Uh, yeah. But you get to go home to your family if you do a great job uh, here. It's cool. one of those. You see Love portraits it. of your kids and your wife and all this sort of stuff. Um, so you go in the simulation and you start out as one character. He is a one of the sort of Russian prisoners who was used in the experiments to make the neuromods. Okay. And he is really heavy in psi abilities, so wait, but pretty so, weak. Sorry. Is yeah. the hacker character you're playing as on the moon or is that just on the frame moon. for now playing the psi? Oh, sorry. Guy? The hacker. The hacker is the sort of main character that you are playing gotcha. as. And then the next level then there's a next level of you're the going simulation. into the simulation. Exactly. And are playing as psi Russian. Psi Russian guy. Psi Russian yeah. guy. Prisoner something. Oh, uh, is he one of the prisoners? He was one of the from, prisoners. From the main game? Okay. I don't think he was in the main game, but okay, it's like but, that's his, the idea. He's one yeah. of those folks. Gotcha. Uh, and, and in that second level uh, of the simulation, you are playing as all these different people to piece gotcha. together the whole story. Gotcha. That's kind of the idea. And the gameplay conceit is that each of these people all have different abilities and they have different loadouts. And as you go, you can sort of purchase more and more things to kind of go into the game with, basically. Oh, interesting. Which is very cool. Okay, so it's like, like uh, that way it is like a roguelike. Very much so. Uh, but thankfully, I think for a lot of people who are worried about story content, there is a ton of story content. This does feel like a level from the game that they sort right. of added a lot of stuff into to add in sort of those roguelike elements and added in like a lot of these character elements. But it feels like it's as big as maybe even bigger than a level in the game and actually has other areas you have to kind of load into. That's how massive it is. There's also a moon shark. I'll get to that later. There's a moon shark? There is a moon shark, and it's amazing. New enemies, new abilities, new weapons, new everything, uh, along with the stuff that I think worked really well in the first game. Do you think it's a situation where someone like me or Rob or Patrick who are like, yeah, we want to play this, could get a lot of story out of it. I think so. And then be like, all right, we're done, where someone like you could get the – I want to keep playing around in this toy box experience. Yes, I think so. Uh, I I was surprised by how much story there was. Right away, there's another chapter of that Starbender, like, shitty sci-fi novel that's, you know, sort of in there. And and you're getting the... The ebooks and the audio logs and all that other kind of stuff. And each each one of these people is a character who has sort of motivations and has sort of a, a reason for being there right. along with their other abilities. Goals, right? So yeah. what are their what is like the Russian side guys? Goal? Get off. Oh, get so into is an that escape. Everybody's pod. goal is to get off though? 
Everybody else has side goals as well. Okay. As sort of a main goal. And you have other ways of escaping. So I've only played as two characters thus far. The the Russian, uh, you know, prisoner dude mm-hmm. is the first one. It's mm-hmm. sort of the easiest. And then I've unlocked the, the engineer lady who can go to further places because she has different abilities. Gotcha. Right. She can get out via escape pod or a shuttle. That kind of thing. Right. And she has sort of side goals. And I think side goal – there are like little side goals that – will change each time like oh do kill this thing with this weapon or, or do this special thing and then there's also sort of story side goals of like rendezvous with this character and do x y cool. or z which is very cool uh so i'm having a wonderful time with it thus are far. the characters sorry for grilling i'm just very curious no, about the yeah. abilities and stuff so is this so in the main game mm-hmm. your character in the original prey you could go in any different direction are these five characters set up where it's like they have their own ability loadouts and that is it? So like the Russian side guy can't be an engineer. You can't just dump your points into something that isn't what his character is like. So I believe there are sort of paths okay. that you have. So again, I've only unlocked two of the characters thus far. But there are several different ways he could go. Okay. Now it might cool. be that certain things are only unlockable for certain right, characters. Right, might not have psi powers at all. Right, she, I think she does. Okay. Uh, but it, it's – so there are skill trees for each one of these characters. Okay. So there are massive choices to be made basically. It's not, oh, this is it. And there's also – you can purchase – that you get points for everything you do in the simulation. Mm-hmm. And you can purchase like, hey, I want to go in with a glue gun. I want to go in with a pistol. Gotcha. I want to go in with this, that or this. And you can do that for any character cool. basically. So there is a ton of choice and I don't feel – I didn't feel locked into any one given thing sort right. of ever going into it. Uh, I will say I, I, did, I took notes because, you know, I, I like to have notes totally. for these things. Uh, especially when they're prey related. Uh, I, I wanted to say that sort of the first time through with any given character, it feels great to explore the world and, and play very much the way I played prey, which was the first time through. It's all about the story. It's all about exploring every nook and cranny. It's all about sort of seeing all those things. Like, for example, I went to the sort of crew quarters area in this uh, in this moon base which has like a cafeteria and a really amazing gym that has lunar (laughs) gravity basketball and there's a whole little like side story about it through emails and things like the chalkboard outside the basketball court that's like they had little teams and they all had like really cute names of like who's doing better on the basketball team and that sort of stuff uh so that was really really cool that felt very much like the crew quarters area of prey which had so many little tiny stories and that was so much fun to explore and then after sort of the first time through reading everything seeing everything i got you know, very excited about that. Then it's like time to play with your toys and see what your toys can do right. and really sort of kick around. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. I need to play a lot more because there's several other characters to unlock and to go through and go through all their scenarios. But this feels like they understood what was awesome about Prey in both the story architecture right. level design sense that I think everybody appreciated. And then the stuff that I really, really liked, which was playing with your toys and, right. and having all these different uh, tool sets to kind of play with and mess around with and enjoy do you think you'll die? Oh, I've already died a couple times. Okay, but it's not it's not <laughs> permanent then. It's not you don't have to restart the run. You have to so my play session ended the other night cuz I was really fucking around and I got really excited about the music and I was just messing around and didn't pay much attention and I died died and I did have to I, the so next time I go in I have wait. to start as the prisoner again and kind of uh, go wait, through and unlock wait, wait, more. Okay. Rob, you your question. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so hold on. Died, like just died, died. Like is there, are there different fail states you can enter and like you can fuck up and then you can like mega fuck up? Kind of. Um, as I understand it, again, I, I haven't unlocked everybody yet, but as I understand it, 
you can eventually, if you survive with one character and then survive with the next character and you, they all escape, you can start sort of unlocking them within that play session of like, oh, no, they're still alive. They can make it out or oh, they can weird. do something else, huh. basically. So there's hmm. there's a sort of like banking element of like, OK, you can fuck around with them, but not on your last sort of life or your last person oh, who's in the simulation still, uh, which is kind of interesting. I feel like that was almost like a softening of the roguelite elements right. to some degree in there interesting but, but but i do need to play more to be able to like fully and you can't now jump back in with the engineer even though you already i think if you die with the engineer you can't jump back in gotcha, with the engineer. But if you beaten with the engineer you could maybe come back in with the engineer and then unlock the next one that makes sense but i haven't beaten it with the okay. engineer yet so i, I couldn't know. i couldn't uh couldn't uh tell you that one definitively but mm-hmm. uh yeah, I think it's awesome. I think people who liked Prey, even if it was just for the story stuff, would still have a good time. Awesome. I'm going to check sure. it out. I'm going to try to find time this week. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, briefly, because I can talk about impressions, but I can't give any final thoughts of any type. I uh, I have been playing Mario Tennis Aces. It has been my partner with me on my E3 trip. Uh, it has been really interesting. It's, it's – um, I think that the core mechanics and feel of that game, it's latest in the long line of Mario sports games and Mario tennis games specifically, it feels really good. Um, It's been described elsewhere as having a sort of fighting game feel in terms of having a super meter that you can kind of cash in either to like slow down time and counterattack or to do super moves that has a chance of of damaging your opponent's racket uh, and eventually breaking your opponent's racket. And there's an adventure mode which is sort of like an RPG mode. You do level up. Your stats go up. You do have like fun little challenges like – you know, you know there are a bunch of dry bones have taken over this whatever this train yard. Hit, hit them, hit them with tennis balls back at them, and and they'll die, and you kill thirty of them, and you're done. Or like boss fights, where like I fought a haunted mirror at one point um, that like would use these other mirrors that were floating around as portals to send my own tennis balls back at me. And that way, like those little side challenges are really good at getting you. They're really good to, at forcing you to learn the mechanics. I don't know that they teach you the mechanics that well. I very much had to go into <coughs> excuse me, into the help menu and be like, what's a what's a top spin? What's a how do I do a, a lob? And like I know what a lob is, but I don't really know the difference between a top spin and a slice. And so I would very much had to I had to experiment and like reread their little one line description a bunch to internalize that stuff. Um and even in the very early segments you can tell that there are some there are some wild swings in difficulty. Like you know, early on there was a there was a challenge mode that I just had to skip over. Like I was like knock down thirty of these things or whatever. Uh, that was like I cannot do it in the time I'm being given, but I can march through the kind of mainline stuff. Um, and I kind of wish that even in the early segments that there's like. You're not so it has an RPG stuff where you're playing as Mario. You are on an island that has an ancient culture devoted to tennis. <laughs> there is uh, an ancient evil tennis racket has taken over the minds of of Wario, Waluigi, and Luigi, oh. and they are trying to get the power the stones. Triumvirate, it's right true. <laughs> uh, they're trying to get the power stones, which are a thing in this game because why not? To I don't know release an ancient Sonic evil. is it's, there. It's yeah. Sonic is there. Yeah. So is Thanos. It's it's a lot. Um, <laughs> but you're going through these 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 bouts, these matches, and if you you're getting XP and your XP just kind of increases a stat, it doesn't. You don't get a choice. You can't be like my Mario is going to be speed focused. It's just like a random stat is given an upgrade at the end of you know each level, and that's like. 
I want more than that. I definitely I want the Mario RPG that feels like golf story. The Mario Tennis RPG that feels like Golf Story, where like I'm going around the world and I'm playing tennis with a bunch of different people. Um, there's also in the in the tournaments mode, they have, they should just let that developer just make a license in Nintendo sports yes, game. Yes, do yeah. that. It would be great. Um, there's fun presentation stuff in the tournament mode where there's like toads who are doing commentary on like the bottom <laughs> of the screen. I'm sure you could turn that off, but I love it. I love yeah. being like, well, he dove for it, but he's out, his form's all busted now or whatever. And none of that so far, at least, has been in the adventure mode. It's all just been like straightforward. And like, I, w- I, I just, there's something here. The basic game is so good, but I wish that some of the stuff on the side, from what I've played so far, uh, was a little bit a little bit better. I'll have more thoughts on that later this week for yes. sure. Um, I think that just about does it for us today. I don't think we have anything else. We should talk about waypoints. I'm going to leave the questions in the question bucket. We can come back to those maybe on Friday. It's already gone a little long today. So, uh, Danielle, what is your waypoint for the week? Hereditary. Oh, good. May, it might be taking, you know, somebody else's too. I'm sorry if I did, but uh, that movie was fucking great. Really scary. Uh, but in a wonderful way where it just broods and it broods and it builds up dread and builds up dread and builds up dread uh, in a way that feels so earned. And my God, it ends on a on a high note. Uh, I might be writing a little thing about it this week. Okay. But yeah, cool. very, very, very you good, like intense ending. horror movie. I loved okay. the ending. I think the ending was I think I like Chef's the, Kiss. I, I There are various points where I'm like, mm, would have been better if it cut here or here. But I think I liked – we can talk off mic about yeah. our readings of the ending. But For I think sure. it was really interesting. There, there is an aspect of it that I won't spoil anything or go too far into anything. But there is an aspect of it that was very much like probably the most impactful story of Edith Finch, of what remains of Edith Finch in that. Huh, and okay. it's really cool. Interesting. In the ending itself. Okay. We'll have to talk because I, I maybe I'm forgetting Edith Finch stories. Yeah, I'm probably forgetting an Edith good. Finch story. Uh, Rob, what is your waypoint for the week? Uh, I don't really have too much because like I spent a lot – like I watched a lot of trash TV and movies yeah. uh, on planes. Um, but the most interesting trash uh, <laughs> I enjoyed in a week that uh, involved Kingsman the Golden Circle and Boss Baby, uh, etc. Uh, the most interesting hey, Boss Baby is all right for a kids movie. It's, it's all okay. Right. The worst there are there are worse things you can get locked into watching to forty five times. <laughs> I have no doubt that is true. Uh, I was I guess I was hoping for a little more like inner office politics, a little more Mad Men than uh, just pure. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ, Rob. <laughs> that's, look, that's the Boss Baby I was promised. It's boss Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, the most interesting crap movie I watched uh, was uh, A Perfect Host starring David Hyde Pierce, uh, which is currently back on Netflix. And it's basically an answer to a question uh, that I think has been on all our minds since the 90s. What would happen if Niles Crane held you hostage? Um, I don't know. What would happen? Uh, you would be invited to a very elegant and profoundly fucking weird, weird uh, night of socializing at his elegant apartment, uh, where he may or may not be planning to torture kill you at the end of the evening. Uh, no, so a perfect host is basically one of those, a petty criminal walks into the wrong goddamn house uh, and ends up in this uh, hostage situation with uh, Hyde Pierce's character, who is this guy who's planning a party. And it becomes very clear very quickly that there are going to be no guests. Uh, no one's coming to this party. Uh, 
only this thief who stumbled in here by accident is going to be the guest. And at the end of the night, he's probably going to be killed. But in the meantime, let's party and let's play games. Um, it's not. This is not a movie I heartily endorse. But if you just want to see like David Hyde Pierce just like buzzsaw through just like scene after scene, just chew it all up, spit it out. Um, this is him at probably like his least restrained I've ever seen him in performance. Huh. That's interesting. I, I'm curious about that. Yeah. What's that, it called again? A Perfect Host. A Perfect God, Host. God, that's such an ominous title. <sighs> Patrick, how about you? Uh, I don't have a whole lot, but like building off of uh, what Danielle uh, mentioned about Hereditary, uh, if you saw that movie, and maybe you're someone that doesn't watch a lot of horror films, but like found yourself responding to that, uh, largely because it's a movie that uh, the horror is uh, 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 sort of like the the, the undercurrent um, when there's actually like more of an A story that is about like a woman and trauma and um, families. Uh, if you enjoyed that part of it, uh, I would definitely recommend The Babadook mm-hmm. from a number of years ago. Um, also a film about uh, a woman going through trauma and that, yes, there is a yeah. horror like element. It is core to the, to the story, but um, that stuff uh, dances with and is effective because of the time that is spent with characters and learning to, and to, to know who they are and to empathize with them. And um, with the, the story, you know, hereditary is about like, Trauma and loss. Uh, uh, the Babadook is about trauma and like motherhood uh, in a in a different way and how that manifests. And so, yeah, if you liked Hereditary, definitely check out uh, Babadook. It's a uh, also weirdly both films uh, first time uh, debuts for uh, a director, which is they're huh. both monumental yeah. achievements uh, for folks coming out of the the bat. I mean, you know, people work on sure. short short films and stuff like that, but like in terms of like a, a, a big, uh, uh, no, your first uh, feature, um, uh, both Babadook and. Predatory, uh, share that, and that they are both remarkable in that regard. Uh, what I want, what I wish in my heart of hearts I could use my waypoint today is that I watched the first season of Riverdale. <laughs> uh, but what my actual waypoint is today is a piece in Texas Monthly called What's Really Happening When Asylum-Seeking Families Are Separated. It's written by Katie Vine. It's, a, it's an interview with a woman named Ann Chandler who is part of the Children's Border Project uh, and is an interview about what is happening uh, on the borders regarding the separation of children from their families. Uh, from from new arrivals. Um, I'll just read this one tiny snippet from it again. The, the title is "What's Really Happening." Uh, what's really happening when asylum-seeking families are separated? Uh, and again, it's at TexasMonthly.com. Um, uh, and says there is no one process. Judging from the mothers and fathers I've spoken to, and those my staff has spoken to, there are several different processes. Sometimes they will tell the parent, "We're taking your child away," and when the parent asks, "When will we get them back?" they say, "We can't tell you that." Sometimes the officers will say because you're going to be prosecuted or because you're not welcome in the country or because we're separating them without giving a clear justification. In other cases, we see no communication that the parent knows their child is to be taken away. Instead, the officers say, I'm going to take your child to get bathed. That's one we see again and again. Your child needs to come with me for a bath. The child goes off and in a half hour, 20 minutes, the parent inquires, where is my five-year-old? Where is my seven-year-old? This is a long bath. And they say, you won't be seeing your child again. Jesus. Sometimes mothers, I was talking to one mother and she said, don't take my child away. And the child started screaming and vomiting and crying hysterically. And she asked the officers, can I at least have five minutes to console her? And they said, no. 
In another case, the father said, can I comfort my child? Can I hold him for a few minutes? The officer said, you must let them go. And if you don't let them go, I will write you up for an altercation, which will mean that you are the one who had an additional charge charged against you. So threats. Uh, it's a, it is a devastating interview. Um, it is part of a, an ongoing collection of really strong reporting about uh, this, this crisis uh, at the border that has uh, a set of, of complicated causes but could be solved. It is not mm – -hmm. this is not uh, you know, turning, turning lead into gold. This is, this is something that politicians uh, in, in Washington could fix today. Um, it's getting funding to let families stay together while a process that's works it. out. Yep. That's it. I mean that doesn't solve immigration, no, but that nope, solves this, that solves this one problem. Yes, uh, and 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 of course, uh, separating pa uh, children from parents uh, for over bullshit is not something that's new in this country, nor is it uh, in, in a wider sense. But this specific practice is something uh, new and horrendous. And so, go read this article. What's really happening when asylum-seeking families are separated? And shout outs to the journalists who are in the front lines, doing their best to bring light to this stuff uh, across the board. On that really uplifting note, I think that's going to do it for us this week. As always, uh, you can send questions to gamingadvice.com. Shoutouts to Bowen for using, letting us use the track Miss You off the EPPL machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, you follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R-I. Rob. At Rob Zachney. Patrick. I do, we should at least mention. I'm going to. I'm going to. I have, a, I have one. Okay. I have All one. right. Okay. That's not okay. the way I want right. to do it. You can follow me at Patrick. I figured follow, that was at the end. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. You can follow everything uh, that we do at Waypoint at twitter.com slash Waypoint. And at this moment, I wanted to say shout outs to Danica for the last two years of running that incredible account and uh, being our forefront, uh, our, our face forward person uh, in all of our social stuff. Danica has been an incredible social editor. She has been a key part of our team. Uh, she's going on to a really, really fantastic opportunity. We are, are going to do a stream today. So by the time you've heard this, we already done the stream but go check out the archive of, of us playing some jackbox games and hanging out uh one more time as, as she departs uh again there would not be a waypoint without danica she was like the the second person here it was me and joel and then it was danica and then it was patrick and then it was and, and, and mike was here obviously but yeah. in terms of people i brought on people who built that core team and then danielle you joined uh and then rob and natalie but like danica was so early and was so part of a key part of figuring out our identity uh and figuring out our voice and figuring out what our community should look like. So shout outs to her and shout outs to the incredible community team and, and, and the mod team there who are, uh, who are obviously going through a period of transition to figure out what next steps are for all that stuff. None of that's going anywhere, but you know, just shout outs to the mods for putting in the work over this next like transitional period too. Um, that is going to do it for us now today. Uh, again, go watch that stream. I'm sure we had a good time. I hope we had <laughs> a good time. I, I might still have a voice. Um, <laughs> Until then, until next week, or until later this week for another episode, Danielle, what do we say? Be good and be good at it. Peace. Danica's leaving big shoes. That's – I hate Aww. this. I hate you so much. <laughs> Who could possibly fill them? I don't know. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.